on TV, online, and on La El Sadat. Egyptian president, assassinated, read a book. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton, and my work wife is back from his vacation with his real family. So we are back. And we're back in the same room because you're back in London. That's right. I'm in the Unitedist of Kingdoms here just to play the London Cup this weekend. That and to voice three TV shows, but... I I like to think of it as more that I flew transatlantic to play a 300-pound tournament (laughs) at the Hippodrome. Coming up on today's show, the EPTD... Man, the EPT TV shows airing... Too many letters. ...on Channel 4 are nearly over for season 11. This week was the second to last episode, or penultimate, as James likes to say. We'll recap that a little bit later on, and the show we missed last week. Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, and that means Ludovic Gilek burned us again. We're attempting to have that clown on the show again this week. I've got a good feeling. He's He was very, very apologetic. He did win a tournament like a day later, but I don't think he can really use that as an excuse. Uh, James and I were both on the nomination committee. What would you call it? Nomination panel? Nomination panel, I believe Panel they for it. the European Poker Awards. Those nominations actually came out yesterday. I was just planning on talking about like who you and I voted for to nominate, but the nominations are out now, so we can bat those around a little bit. You got those printed out? Yeah, suffice to say, I don't think anyone I actually nominated has made it through to the last round. Some of mine did. We'll get to that later. Adventures in Online Poker, I got to play a little bit in New Jersey. And for uh, Superfan versus Stace, we've got Sean Trembath on the blower. He is going to quiz me, or we're going to quiz each other, on some Super Nintendo Entertainment System trivia. Sneeze. Sneeze. Is Broughton coming on to do that, or has he just sent his things in? I have no idea. We have the questions? I no. don't have the questions. I'm hoping that Matt will be able to join us, but he says that if he can't, he's kind of he will send the questions through at the last minute. Matt's got a thing going on. Did he tell you about it? No. Okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you about it maybe during one of the- We don't take breaks. We're going to have to invent a break so I can tell you about it on the show. James, what's going on in social media? Well, suffice to say, lots of tweets in the last two weeks because we have been away. And some people were disappointed that we weren't actually here last week, including Michael, who woke up all excited, checked SoundCloud, and like a slap in the face, no EPT Live was to be found. Only a one-week hiatus, Michael. Uh, Daniel... Let's give a shout-out to Daniel at Lemish32, who's just played his first-ever live tournament after watching us. Uh, he's played online oh, wow. before. But said, it's rather good fun playing live, isn't it? However, he doesn't want to talk about shoving pocket sevens when drawing dead and then hitting a meaningless set on the river. Oh. Hashtag always coming seven. It is always coming seven. That's that's really gross, though. It's always coming back up my lunch. Uh, re- that. Reaction to the last episode, talking of things coming up. Uh, Kai says, just listen to episode 40. Spit out my coffee when I heard James's reaction to the price of the watermelon. Yeah, that was pretty sick. That was, um, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, there used to be that same grocery store, right? I was telling you about that grocery store where um, things are really expensive. There used to be this homeless guy. Did I already tell this story? There used to be this homeless guy that would hang out uh, but. Uh, but I live right off a freeway exit. Right. And so I'd always give him money every day. Or if I had food, I would give him food. But I was I would always give him money. And then this particular grocery store, um, the salad bar there 
You know, there's like a hot food salad bar. Yep. They probably got it in Waitrose, right? It's like extortionate, I'm sure, at Waitrose here in the UK. At this particular grocery store, it is also extortionate. It's like $15 a pound. It's something well, like Based crazy. on the price of the watermelon, the orange juice, and exactly. the chili, I'm not surprised. And so I used to, and I would be like, nah, you know what? I'm not ordering from this. I'm not getting food from the salad bar. It's silly. Like, it's just, I, you know me. I like to light money on fire. But there's some things I'm just like, that's just dumb. Yeah. And so I wouldn't do it. Uh, until the one day that the salad bar that I can't afford to eat at, I saw the homeless guy that I would give money to every day filling up a plate at the salad bar, and I was like, nah, that's it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not going to eat better than me. So then what I started doing was every time I went to Subway, I would get him a sandwich, a $5 foot long. Is that rude? Is that weird? That I'm like, that the homeless guy shouldn't, I'm like, nah, you're not going to eat at the place I can't afford. Mm -mm. It's there's, there's, there's logic there, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Sven tweeted, Hashtag Live. Someone in publishing needs to hear episode 40 because the book of Joe needs an international book deal. Hashtag follow your rainbow. I will say that if anyone else wants to write in and get some more advice from the book of Joe, I'm happy to revisit that occasionally. Paul, by the way, yeah. who received the first five chapters of the book of Joe that day, wasn't that pleased. He wrote, he was not aware of the podcast, and I, he wrote, so it was a Facebook post, and I said, Paul, I'm going to link you to the podcast, and they all, one day he's like, where's this podcast? So I sent the link, and he goes, that's not what I was asking for, mate. Wow. But I guess what, Paul? My advice remains the same. Follow your rainbow. And stop displaying such ingratitude. Uh, hello to Nick. Uh, who reacts to the last edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Not so Superfan, Sam. Holy hell, that was awful. Oh, good for you! I can press buttons again now that I'm back here in the studio. That was that was pretty bad, but it was bad for both of us, really. Well, we've got some new Superfan applications, and we need a ruling here, unfortunately. And I've got, I think the date and the time may play a factor here. We have had two applications with the same specialist subject. Uh, we had Kagiso, who applied on the 29th of March. Uh, love your show, guys. Would love to challenge Joe on Arrested Development. And then on the 1st of April, literally a day later, Poker Spear, who is a regular, said submitting for Superfan vs. Stapes, my subject, Arrested Development. I've made a huge mistake. Um, here's what I would say, James. Let's throw this out there. Why don't we tell them both the time to come on the show and they can Superfan vs. Stapes me together? Or maybe it could be a three-way. That's what I mean. Let's just have a little menage a stapeser fan. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll follow that one. Think about that. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe that's... Uh, and then we can see who really wins. I will say Poker, Poker Spear is a super fan, though. I, we hear from that guy a lot. Just because someone's never tweeted before, though, doesn't mean they haven't watched that's every true. live stream, every that's TV a good show. Point. That's, you know, podcast. I probably prefer you if you don't tweet. So that's a really good point. Uh, Andrew says, what's going on in poker today? The intro to your <laughs> poker news always gets stuck in my head for days whenever I listen to EPD Not Live. Andrew, this is just for you. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. But just for the avoidance of confusion, it is not, it's not currently news. time. We're not doing the news. There's no news. news right now. No, we're just reading tweets. Uh, Alan asks, will you guys be discussing Batman versus Superman on EPT Not Live? Love the podcast, as always. Alan, I haven't seen it, but Joe, you have. I have. It's fucking god-awful. It's really bad. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I was like, guys, Superman versus Batman is actually not so bad. <laughs> just kidding. It's terrible. 
There it's, you go, Alan. You got your discussion. It's really bad, but maybe if Broughton comes on sometime soon, me and Broughton can do a little little chat about it. And we'll we'll let James have the day off Look, or something. I'm 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 time poor, and if I was going to go to the cinema, that would not be on my list. I, I'm a weird I'm a weird paradox. I'm a movie fan who hates going to the cinema, and I think that comes from being spot. I was very fortunate to work obviously as a movie reporter and a film critic for a long while. And you get spot because you get to go to private screenings. You get to watch movies with like-minded people. And then when that ends and you get thrown back into gen pop and have to share the cinema with normal people again. Oh my God, it's a you're horrific such experience. a dick. You're just the absolute worst. I'm sorry, I'm a great believer that people should not be eating, talking, texting during films. Hold on a second. I'm with you on the talking and the texting. You don't think people should eat during movies? No. I actually think you should sit and watch the film. You can have a refreshment, like a drink or whatever, but then why not enjoy a nice cappuccino and a slice of carrot cake after the film to discuss it? What or about maybe popcorn, go for James? Popcorn at the movies, are you crazy? It's like saying, I don't believe children should get presents on Christmas. As long as you're done with the popcorn, by the time the trailers and commercials are done, I'll allow it. See, my dad used to try to sell me on that same thing, but that was mostly so that he could just eat all of the popcorn before the movie started, because he's a pig! Nice tactic. Now, Joe, you did mention my holiday at the start of the show. It wasn't just a holiday from the United Kingdom. It was also a holiday from social media. I actually stayed off Twitter successfully for 10 days. And a chap called Ian Kelly thought he was being so funny. He thought, as James isn't around, I'm going to run a poll. Who do you like better on EPT Not Live, Hartigan or Stapes? A poll which attracted a whole three votes. And none of them were me. Thank you. And Joe, congratulations. You won. 67% of the votes yes. were in your favour. A whole two people. That is awesome. Congratulations, me. Yes. Uh, you know, I saw that. It's really weird because people oftentimes try to get me to, to badmouth you. Or like, you know, they'll be like, yeah, I mean, this is going to sound bad just saying it. People are like, yeah, you're cool, but like, what's up your co-host? And I'm like, well, to be honest, he's the best and it can't be me without you. It's so bizarre how people will occasionally try to pit us against each other. Um, in response to that tweet that you sent, I don't know if you saw because I think you shut off your phone like immediately, right? When you said, I'm yep. going off social media. Lon McCarran replied to that tweet and it just said something along the lines of, now if only Stapes would do the same thing. And his typical, like, sort of joking, probably actually trolling us kind of way. And the thing is, my roommate, the J-Cat, Jesse, does not like it when Lon does this to us. He, like, doesn't find it funny. And he's like, let me at him. Let me at him, Uncle Scoob. Let me at him. Let me just tell him what I really think. And I'm like, no! It's fine. Just keep it under control. I don't need another, I don't need another social media beef this week. Which, by the way, I almost... Uh-oh. Had a social media beef. It's interesting we got Ludo on the show later on because uh, this guy named Josh Jarvis at replied me and said, uh, <laughs> he said, Joe, why do you keep disrespecting the Scots? Are you sure that's plus EV? And this actually came like across like a little threatening to me. Yeah. So I just said, no, 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 it's just I know Scots are cool with it because they're not giant pussies. Okay. And was there a response to that? His reply was, woohoo, a reply from Stapes, and then a whole bunch of emojis. Whew, so, so basically yeah, that was the... Like a social media beef averted. That, and that was I, more of a social media tofu. 
It was almost beef, but not quite. That's right, it just didn't quite get there, and luckily I don't think I have to worry about getting glass. And the weird thing is, I was like, if this was like a truly Scottish dude, I think they would respect that response. He'd be like, fair dues, mate, we're not pussies, you're right. Carry on, or whatever they say in Scotland. Square go. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I got for uh, for social media. You got any more social media? No, I'm done. What did you get up to while I was away? Well, I finished The West Wing. Yes! I did. Um, I had one major issue. Are there spoilers attached to this conversation, yes, by the way? Yes, there's a few spoilers. Okay. So, yeah. So, if, go ahead and tune out for, like, the next four minutes if, uh, if you don't want West Wing spoilers. My one major issue, I agree with you, James, uh, your analysis of all the seasons, one, two, and three are awesome. Four is like, meh. It starts picking up again in five or no, wh- no, whatever. One to four are great. Five yeah. is meh. Picks up again in six. I thought seven was outstanding. Seven is, is, I agree, seven's outstanding. I had one major issue with seven though and that there's an episode about halfway through the season where it takes place in the future there's oh, like a scene yes. that takes place in the future outside the presidential library right and there's like all of this drama in season seven is like is someone going to jail yeah. is someone uh gonna die is and someone... then you remember hang on a and second like, but we saw they're them all there and they're all happy and they're all leading great lives it's so funny you mention this because one of the most overused tactics in network television and i'm encountering it at the moment because i'm working my way through battlestar galactica is this classic set up a scene and they go 48 hours earlier or two weeks earlier. I fucking hate it. I don't like Just that either. Just start at A and end at Z. Tell a story in linear fashion, please. There's a great episode of Rick and Morty uh, where <laughs> they go to this planet where they need they need help from an alien. And in order to get the help, Rick uh, Morty has to read the guy's screenplay. <laughs> and at the end, uh, he's like, I want your honest notes. He's like, well, honestly, why do you start with the first scene and then cut to three weeks earlier? Uh, and he just rips apart his screenplay. And then later on, the dude dies. And and Morty shouts at him, Would you like me to cut to three hours earlier when you're still alive? <laughs> and it's just, it's so annoying. I don't get it. It takes all the drama out of it. It does. We've had this discussion before when it, when it comes to prequels. Like, I just don't like prequels in general. You know what's going to happen already. It's really weird on that subject, actually, because this is one of the biggest faults with like those first three Star Wars movies. And trust me, they had a lot of faults. But the fact that you know the fate of all of the characters... Yeah. I'm actually really impressed with the Disney animated series Star Wars Rebels because even though that is effectively a prequel to the original trilogy because it's set kind of five years before New Hope, because it's a completely original cast of characters, you don't know what's going to happen to them. Right. In fact, if anything, because they're not in the movies, you probably think they might not make it, but you just don't know. Yes, there are familiar people from the Star Wars universe dropping in, but generally you're following a completely new cast. The only time I think prequels really work is, uh, I thought Prometheus kind of worked, even though a lot of people hated that movie. I, I thought, thought it was decent. Yeah, I thought it was pretty decent too. Ben's making a really horrible face right now. Ben did not like Prometheus. Well, I need Ben's assurances that Battlestar Galactica picks up again, because I am towards... So, the- so are they doing this a lot in Battlestar Galactica? Because I told you I didn't really like the pilot. I thought it was really cheesy, to be honest. You see, I did like the pilot. I really liked the first season, and I've really enjoyed the first half of the second season i'm now into the second half of season 2.0 as they call it and not being funny it's 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 a major wobble for me um 
One other thing they do, which reminds me of the old Mission Impossible shows from the late 60s, they insist in the opening credits with showing you clips of what you're about to see in that episode. So literally, my wife and I sit on the sofa and we close our eyes yeah, I would for 20 seconds. Shit. What the fuck? I know. It's, there, there are so many things about it that are good and so many things about it that remind me it's a network TV show and it's flawed. But everyone keeps telling me that, oh, stick it's with it. It's not a network TV show. It's a cable show. Was it? I thought it was NBC. Yeah, no, it was Sci-Fi Network. Network. Oh, okay. oh, I mean the whole NBC Universal family. So maybe it was like an NBC anything thing. Which, but anything which is forty-two minutes long and is episodic, I automatically assume is a network TV it's show. Just, yeah, I mean it. It it's there's a weird distinction in the states in that you have cable networks right. and then you have broadcast networks. Let's it's put a it this cable way. network show, but so it, is Breaking Bad. So is exactly. It ain't HBO. It ain't Showtime, and it ain't Netflix. But it's. I'm sticking with it, yeah. and I hope that it pulls it out for the last two seasons for sure. That's why I didn't watch Lost, because I saw a few episodes of Lost, and it was kept cutting back to people's backstories. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that. I want to know what's happening here on the island. I remember watching the first couple of episodes and thinking, this is going to take so long to pay off, and when it does pay off, I just know it's not going to be worth the journey that I'm pulling out now. And I'm so glad I did, because everyone who stuck with it was so bitterly disappointed when they got to the conclusion. Absolutely, and Ben... The guy that wrote Prometheus is the guy to blame for how shitty Lost was. Damon Lindelof, who I still owe $40 to from a poker game I played in with him, which I'm definitely going to use one day when I try to kiss his ass, and I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, I'm really glad we had last week off, James, because uh, I've been in the middle. So I moved from London to New York yep. in July, and then like three weeks ago, I decided to move to Los Angeles. And it's been really stressful um, because I went, you know, I went and like just signed a lease on this apartment because uh, I needed to get out of my buddy's house. I was sick of doing the podcast in the closet after one episode. So I signed a lease. I had two leases. The good news is this. My movers are booked. They're coming on Wednesday. I read all these horror stories online of people who are like, oh, the movers show up, they charge this extortionate extra fees or they don't take your stuff. Our stuff was gone for five weeks. We didn't get half of it back. I found the only movers on all of Yelp that had a five-star review. So I'm going to fingers crossed that things are going to go well there. I booked a car shipper. I was going to drive cross-country. And then I decided like between gas and hotel, having it car shipped is about the same price. Plus I get like five or six days of my life back. Sure. Um, and my apartment is rented in in new jersey someone has actually signed up for the joe stapleton reality experience yeah except remember how i was going to charge 500 dollars a week i had to pay them a thousand sorry hang on a second hang on a second so they're paying nothing and you're paying them no 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 so what happened is i took like jesse was there while i was in la and i was really desperate for this place to get rented i was like jesse i tell you what like when these people come look at the place tell them if they tank it i'll give them a thousand bucks cash because I'm looking at six grand in rent. Sure. If no one takes it. So he told them that. And like within a day, they were like done, sold. It's gone. We got it. But the problem is I wasn't very clear when I said, tell them if they take it immediately. And they're taking it basically like on the 1st of May. Oh, dude. So exactly. So I'm going to eat. You're still going to save. I'm going to save a little bit of money. Yeah. Right. But like I was kind of, I was like, well, I didn't really mean a thousand if you didn't. And, but I, and, and the, and the people, the management company, the building was like, take this deal. 
But this is a classic. If you want a job done doing, do it yourself. No, no, no. I mean, it's not Jesse's fault. He he was just the messenger. I definitely wasn't clear. You know, it's fine. Look, I'm happy it's done. It doesn't matter. Uh, I went and spent Easter with my parents. And this is so weird, James. You're going to really appreciate this. So me and my dad are flipping through TV because that's how, you know, I spend time with my dad is watching television. Normally uh, marathons of Law & Order Special Victims. Yeah, unit, right? but you know what? That shit's not on anymore. His new thing now is they're like these, uh, there's like a, there's like a true crime network in the States and they just watch true crime like all day, every day with these bad reenactments. There's oh, like this one cop, Jesus. this one cop from like Southern California is like in his seventies now, but he solved like, I don't know, like 150 murders. So they made a TV show out of his life. So he tells these stories and they, they reenact them. But, um, and I saw Batman versus Superman with my parents too. And my mom, my mom didn't even want to go, but she just liked sitting next to me for three hours. Oh, so bless her. She was there. Um, so yes, we're flipping through the channels and my dad goes, oh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Great movie. And I go, you know, I've never seen it. And he goes, what? what? I'm with, I'm with you, Mr. Stapleton. I bought that movie for you, didn't he, I? Yes, it's still on my list. I mean, look, I watched 150 episodes of The West Wing that you got me. It's not like I'm not watching the shit you get me. It's just, it takes time. It takes time. 150 hours. Um, so he was like, what? And he changes to it immediately. And I was like, Dad, I, I would love to watch this movie with you. But I don't. It's 20 minutes in. I, I just don't yeah, do it. You need, I to, won't you do need this. to watch it from the start. And he almost didn't care. And I was like, look, let's see if we can find it on demand. If it's on demand, we'll start it from the beginning. You've got. I bought it for you on iTunes. I know, but I didn't have one of my Apple TVs set up at, at their house and everything. So we couldn't find it on demand. I didn't watch it. But I will say this, James. That is the only time he's ever done that, ever, in my entire life, saying, you must see this movie. Wow. He does not give a shit, usually, about movies, so... It's definitely in my top ten of all time. You would appreciate that. Now, the one other thing that happened uh, is that I found out my brother is going to have a baby. So you are genuinely going to become an uncle. I'm actually going to be an uncle this time. Uncle Daddy will be Uncle Uncle Daddy. And, uh... My brother, which was, I was really happy to find this out on Easter, which I was happy to find it out, but also it kind of made my brother the automatic winner of the Easter egg hunt. Right. You know, he's the only one that found the egg this year. So uh, my parents, they don't want to be called grandma and grandpa. So okay. Is that because they, they feel that makes them old? I don't think so. I think they know they're old. I think that they just, uh, I, I, don't, I think because they have other people they still consider to be grandma and grandpa to them, like. My grandma was called grandma, so they right. want to be something different. So I was helping them uh, brainstorm names. We've got a rebranding exercise going on here. You could employ a very expensive consultancy firm. So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to put this out there to the audience, by the way. If you guys want to write in next week with some suggestions for grandma, grandpa names for my parents. Like, I think, like, Nani was discussed. And Nani? Like, no, I don't know. I can't really remember... What my f what do you call a grand? Because your your mom's a French heritage, right? Yeah. What, what do they call grandmother in maman? We it? called my mom's French mom meme, but my mom doesn't want to go with that. I okay. Man, I wish I could remember what my parents actually want to be called. My dad really wants to go with Papa, but his great grand his grandfather was Papa, and he's like, I could never fill that man's shoes. So they're all being weird oh about my this. God. I just came up with some ones for myself, but I'm happy to get some from the audience. Um. Shouty in the feeder. Right. Because that one just sort of describes who they are. Yeah, I, th I think they probably want something that's a bit more complimentary. Okay, how about this one? Meemaw and pee pants. <laughs> Meemaw, yes, potentially, 
Pee pants? Yeah. Okay. Not so much. How about I have a cooler one then? How about Tango and Cash? Yes. That's pretty good, right? If your grandparents are named Tango and Cash, <laughs> we're gonna have Christmas at Tango and Cash's house. Uh, and then finally, it's kind of a callback to something from uh, from uh, Huff and Staves. But uh, I was thinking also maybe a fuck crutch and sweet face. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that one's probably going to get mixed as I'm well. I'm not sure which one is going to be um, my mom there. We'll flip a coin for it. Anyway, guys, get involved. Let us know what you think. Some good. I'll take some real ones. I'll take some fake ones. Doesn't matter. Hashtag EPT not live. TV recap. So because we've been away for a little bit longer than normal, two TV shows have been released since our last podcast. Episodes 5 and 6 of the EPC 11 Grand Final, available to watch now at Pokestars.tv, unless you're in the UK, in which case you can watch them at channel4.com slash poker. Uh, so this is building up and playing down to the final table. The final six have now been reached. That show will play out next week. And I think... The key thing to say about these two shows, Joe, is the sheer volume of carnage and the sheer volume of car crash hands. Those hands that potentially go viral, like the aces versus kings versus queens hand. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's always in final table shows, a lot of times it comes down to a cooler. You know, you got to have a cooler happen eventually. The coolers that were happening during these shows were epic coolers, though, not just typical like aces versus kings. I mean, there was some of that stuff but hands where there's like multiple people involved hands where like people turn a set and they're drawing dead uh there was one sweat with hand i think from not from last night's show but the week before where we were in a sweat with and we had like a pretty strong hand we fold and we we're losing to both players like drawing dead to both players i mean there's some pretty really good hands during these shows really interesting poker being played and also those moments just make you go wow and obviously a lot of people had seen um that aces kings queens hand because a it was on the live stream and b obviously that clip then went out there on facebook and on youtube and while we're talking about car crash hands i don't know if you had a chance to look at it i tweeted a link to it yesterday it's on the poker stars youtube I did. channel i couldn't tell if you're being sarcastic or not when you said this this amazing hand with incredible commentary or something no i am being 100 percent legit just to be clear this is a hand from the bsop millions from last year where two guys get it in on the turn and it turns out it's aces versus kings on an ace-king-xx board. So it's basically one guy's flopped a set of kings. One other guy's turned a set of aces, meaning the guy with the kings has one out. And guess what comes on the river? And just listen to how the Brazilian commentators call that river card. <laughs> <laughs> Hurrah the river. I mean, I have never cared that much about anything in my life, let alone a poker hand. They are so into it. That's why I couldn't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, because I'm trying to imagine, like, you get pretty animated and you do a good job. If you don't actually care, you're still doing a good job of selling it most of the time. These guys are freaking out i'd be like a uh, standard one outer like but, i don't but, know but, i'm so jaded but you've seen obviously clips 
from uh, you know South American football games, for example, where they classically call where the commentators run around the stadium and light it on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's the the point being that they get very excited in that part of the world, and I just love the passion, I love the enthusiasm. But actually, and I, I have to salute Alan and our team for coming up with this idea that we should basically take that audio clip and apply it to really mundane moments. Oh, in poker. that's awesome! Yeah. Like where it goes, kind of check check on the river, and then you hear this. Check out that hand and check out these shows because there's also some uh, pretty crazy hands in episodes five and six. Bit of reaction on uh, on Twitter to those TV shows. Remember the hashtag EPT, which causes some confusion, which we'll come to in a moment. Uh, Tony Brown enjoyed the sketches on the hairpin bend, uh, which were in episode five. Lord, won't you buy me a schmerschmady schmen? <laughs> would have been a much better song. Yeah, man, that sketch was fun. That was one of those ones that, like, I wrote. I have it here, actually. So, as usual, we're here two weeks before the actual Grand Prix, so we won't actually get to see any of the race. Yeah, but there's still plenty of really cool cars around, like. Which we can't name because they're all registered trademarks. Like. Boo Body. <laughs> A Jag car? Ooh, a flange frover. BM single you. A train. <laughs> that we can say. <laughs> and of course, the Schmerschmady Schmenz. You know, I'm really hungry. I feel like McDonald's. Mmm, love me a big dern. That's one of those ones that, like, it's funny on paper and it's funny when we're doing it and you're not sure if it's actually going to work when we did and that one did. That's like one of the few because so many times you're like, oh, this is so high concept. This is probably not going to work. It's but. the appearance of the train which makes it for me. It's that like you've got all these fancy cars and then suddenly this crappy tourist train comes around. It's, oh, it's a train. Well, it's nice to have something to cut to also, like, you know, because otherwise it probably would have been a little flat. Yeah, the, the train helped out quite a, quite a bit. And then a comment on uh, the, the... These are the last sketches, by the way. I'm sure everyone's now cheering when I say this. But you will see probably for the foreseeable future. And it was... I'm, uh, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. A callback to the Monaco is ridiculously expensive, which we've done to death, quite frankly. And remember the sketch with the ice cream or the gelato? Oh, man. The, just the troubles we went through shooting that like we rewrote it like 20 times on the day but obviously there's a line in it about like what's the difference now obviously news alert we know what the difference is the one's made with cream and one's made with milk but this guy robin tweeted at me this morning i didn't saying, know that <laughs> uh, uh gelato is is made with with milk instead of cream and, and, and aioli is garlic mayo it's like yes we know, but it's obviously it was for comedic effect. But At thank least you, Robin. He followed the number one rule of being a know-it-all. He was right. He was right. Man, that sketch got rewrote so many times. I wanted to say something about how the napkins were made from baby seal skin, and you guys wouldn't let me do it. Yeah, Ben's nodding. You guys wouldn't let me do that. Um, now I mentioned some hashtag <laughs> confusion. Uh, I mentioned the fact that when people are tweeting about the TV shows, they use the hashtag EPT. The problem is there's a chap called Alex Charfin who also uses this hashtag. No, he can't. 
uh, because he discusses the entrepreneurial personality type, hashtag EPT, in his Rules of Success video. Look at this guy. He looks like Stifler from American Pie. He is an absolute Stifler. <laughs> so, unfortunately, if you go to that timeline and are looking to see like-minded people providing analysis and commentary on our TV shows, you will be met by Alex Charfin's face as he breaks down the entrepreneurial personality type. Uh, now, a few weeks ago on EPT Not Live, we tried to talk to one of the players who had a deep run in the EPT 11 Grand Final and who spent a lot of time on the feature table, that player being Ludovic Geilich. And sadly, we couldn't get hold of Ludo. Now, we have a motto on this show, which is, if at first you don't succeed, give up. On this one occasion, we have decided to give someone a second chance and we are going to try calling Ludo once again. So let's keep everything crossed. As we say, are you there, Ludovic Geilich? Hello. He's alive! He's alive! Yes, I'm alive. Ludo, it is so good to finally speak to you after, what was it, four weeks of trying to catch up and communicate and missing you and time zone confusion? Well, it's not four weeks. I, I let you down once. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just, it's the length of time is four weeks, not the number of times. Hi, Ludo. How you doing? How you doing? Good, buddy. Are you hungover, Steps? No, I don't. It's really dangerous for me, Ludo, is I don't get hangovers. That's good. That's very good. They say it's good. Well, I think it's good. And then someone one day was like, you know what? That means that you're prone to the alcoholism gene. People who don't get hangovers tend to be heavier drinkers. Yeah, this is true, yes. So, Ludo, where are you in the world at the moment? Because when we tried to catch up a few weeks ago, I think you were in Los Angeles. Yeah, I ended up going back to LA. LA, so, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Is that where you're at right now? Yeah, that's where I'm at just now. I'm just at the commerce grinding cash. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking a break from the cash games to talk to us. I know it's a weird one, but we kind of want to go back almost a year to last season's grand final because those TV shows are finally airing on Channel 4 in the UK and on Pokestars.tv and the rest of the world. Have you had a chance actually to see any of those TV shows or have you actually been having too much fun? I've had no chance to watch any. Well, you have been, I think, one of the stars of the grand final, mainly because you've just somehow been on the feature table for like five out of the six shows. Uh, the very first show, you were there with Ola Shemian, up there with Maria Ho for the second show. And in the most recent episode, we kind of saw you succumb to not a particularly pleasant fate. But to be fair, you put a bad beat on Jason Mercer a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I put a bad... I, th I can't remember the exact hand. I think he opens like nines under the gun, or under the gun plus one. And I think we're short-handed. I'm not sure if we're five or six-handed. And I just jammed like 24 bigs from the big blind. I'm not sure how many big blinds it was, but at the time it felt as if it was fine. And obviously I've run into nines and I've got lucky and had a five, I think. Yes. You, you remember the hand correctly. You remember the hand better than Jason did. His girlfriend had to tell him the hand history. Well, yeah, well, I've been kind of reminded the last few, well, the last few days about it. Have, like pe have people actually been contacting you on Twitter telling you they've seen the shows? Yeah, they've been private mailing me on Facebook, and I'm like, I don't want to get I don't want to get reminded. I think I finished like 18th or something. It's a million up top. I don't really want to get reminded. So, if the people, if if they weren't reminding you, would you remember? Like, do you think back on stuff like that, or are you just like sort of in in one ear out the other? 
to be honest, like the only times you ever think about hands in MTT poker is when it's a lot of money up top, and that is one hand that's always going to be in the back of my mind for sure. Because like that's life changing money. I'm saying like obviously 200k is life like can be life changing money for some people, but like a million euros is like life changing. Like you could you could basically do whatever you want if you know what I mean. Like you can just you can relax. You don't need to grind every day. You, the money's going to probably drop, but it's going to take a long time before you start worrying about it. What would you do if you won a million? How would it change your life? Well, first of all, in this tournament, I only had 60% of myself because I think I sold like 30% and swapped like 10. So it's, it doesn't make much of a difference. I think I would have had 600K if I won. It would have changed my life in the way that I would have just like probably traveled a lot more, even though I'm traveling now, but traveled a lot more and not play as much. Do you enjoy not playing poker? Like, or do you just feel the urge to play all the time? Do you play out of like a necessity to make money and earn a living? Or do you play because you're like, you, who loves it more? Um, that's a tricky question. Like I would rather just travel and, and play the game whenever I feel like playing. So like, for instance, I've been traveling nonstop for the last few months, but like I've kind of forced myself to play because I know I need to play because I've been on a downswing. So I need to try and get some of the money back. And I know if I keep putting the volume in and I keep playing good poker, it's going to eventually turn around and I'll get the money back. Tell that other Skype call to go the fuck away. It says it's, an, it says it's from EPT, not live. <laughs> James, are you calling Ludo on the other line? Are you trying to have a private conversation? That is exactly the line that I am connected to him on. Skype is a bit weird. Skype is a little weird. Ludo, so you say you've been on a downswing. How's it been going in commerce? Have you been winning? or How do you find playing against American players or Asian-American players, which are mostly at the commerce? Yeah, this is true. Like, There's a lot of Asian-Americans here, which makes the game so much better because they're going to be worse because Chinese people are like obviously more like gambler-type gambler, gambler -type players. But... For some reason, like I don't enjoy playing against American players because you need to play very basic ABC. You can't think too much about hands. <laughs> the idea of you playing ABC poker just makes me laugh, as if that's yeah. ever going to happen. <laughs> that's what I, I put. Actually, changed the the headline of my Twitter saying I play a solid ABC style. Of <laughs> <laughs> Is that just to convince other people or to convince yourself? No, no. Well, for two reasons. Every time I look at it. At least I might think to myself, well, let's like stay focused and not do anything stupid. But also, oh, I'm just a massive troll, so people might look and just laugh. You know what I mean, so that's what I just want people to look and just laugh because obviously I play an unorthodox type of game. It's just all over the place. I'm guessing most people's perception of your game comes from our TV shows because the first time we really came across you was in London in 2013 in the EPT10 main event where you obviously had a deep run, made the final table, and along the way... I think it's fair to say you played incredibly aggressively to the point where people must have been watching that coverage thinking, this guy's a maniac. Yeah, that's true. Everyone obviously does recognize me, especially in America. They recognize me from, they say, I've seen you in something. And before they can get to figure it out, I'll say like... They don't, you're sure they're not talking about train spotting? They're not talking about crime watch or train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty strange, to be honest. But honestly, like, I'll, I'll say to them before they can figure it out themselves, EPT London, and then they'll say, yeah, that's it, that's the one. You played insanely like aggressive, blah, blah, blah. You're just nuts. And I'm like, 
fair enough, it was not a good, um, theoretically, it's not a good style of play. But if nobody's playing back at you, you've got to just keep putting the, the foot down. And once it backfires, that's when you've got to look back and say, OK, I'm going to adjust my game and going to play a lot more solid. Sure. I mean, and something we've seen in these uh, grand final shows is the method behind the madness. We refer to the fact that you were on the feature table in the first ever episode, which was day two, playing against Olashemian, and there was a hand in that show which formed the Pro Explains, and you talked us through your thinking in that hand, and you actually put Shemion on his exact, his exact hand. You put him on pocket jacks, he made uh, a set on the river, and you realised the game was up. But it's easy to say the exact hand, because, like, you've got... <laughs> I'm saying you've got to you've got to put somebody on a range, obviously. Yeah. And the range he has here, at that time, like like see with poker, like you learn so much every single like you learn so much every single like few months at poker and you just you look back and say, I thought I was good and then you say to yourself, Now I'm so much better now. Back then, like, you put him on a range and like his range is very much like it's all there because he's gonna flat his full range. But not so much in this exact hand. I did say he would flat his full range here, but with a player behind, I don't think he would flat certain hands. But like he still always has in this situation, he always has like nines through to jacks. That's this. That's the main part of his range. Like he's always because we're deep enough and he's in position, he can definitely call and just like kind of set mine at the same time as like he doesn't really want to to repop it and get taken off the best hand because let's say he does decide to like four cold four bet and I decide to go nuts with like a blocker like an ace or a king he's not going to be over the moon putting his whole stack in pre-flop with like nines tens or jacks so like that's the main reason why I thought in this hand he had like nines tens or jacks so by the time it got to the river I was near enough 50-50 on whether or not I would shove and the fact it came a jack it was the key card that does make his hand more more often than not and he's going to have jacks a lot more often than he has, like, kings. But kings were definitely in the range. Not so much now, the way the game's played. And even back then, the game wouldn't be played like that. But, like, I think he's tricky enough to probably flat kings, for sure. But, who like, who knew that Ludo liked talking strats so much? This is crazy. Yeah, I don't like to talk too much strategy because I think it's always dead geeky. And I always think as if, like, if you throw it out there... You're going to get people questioning you and kind of doubting the fact that the way that you've talked about the strategy. And I don't like to, I don't like to start having a, an argument about strategy because I think it's pretty geeky. It's so, so. weird because people occasionally write to me and like want to argue strategy. It's in the show, and I'm just like, sorry, I'm sorry, John, I don't remember. Like I just <laughs> don't care to have the conversation. I've, it's also because you genuinely can't remember, even though you only recorded the commentary a week right, ago. of course. Uh, there's one other hand I wanted to ask you about, Ludo, and that was in the second show, which was the bubble show. And it was where we talked about you shoving fives into Jason Mercer, obviously a very different spot, with the money bubble looming, and Maria Ho just opening out of a ten big blind stack. It's round to you in the big blind, and you folded fives, and... You seem very proud about the fact that you folded fives, and obviously we now know with the benefit of whole card information that Maria had aces. Yeah, this is very funny, actually, because I was just playing a tournament recently at the bike, which is, like, just close to the commerce here, and Maria was on my table at the at the end of day one, and she actually mentioned the hand to me. Really? <laughs> and I was just laughing, saying, like... We had a good discussion about the hand 
and I know Maria is obviously a very good player. And like I was discussing what my thought process was if I was in her position with that hand. The thing is, we're playing a 10k buy-in in Monte Carlo. And this table, I, th- I think there was like zero soft spots. I think everyone was good. I think it was like all full of regs. And like it was just not a good spot to like min off of like 10, 11 bigs because your hand is so face up. Let's say there's like two bad players at the table. I don't actually mind just min raising off our 11 bigs because you'll get them making mistakes. But like I think in this hand here, she opens off a like 10.5 or 11 bigs. And Ollie, even Ollie Shemin's like on the small blind with King Jack, he's never going to do anything here unless she has like 20 bigs and she can maybe three bet fold or whatever. But like even he was like a bit annoyed at having to fold King Jack. But like it's a bit obvious like she's got like she's got a super nutted range and it can only ever be like aces or, or kings because she would jam everything else. But like I don't know why she why she min raised this hand and she did tank for a long time as well. Yeah, it is a little face up. How did she receive this uh, this semi criticism from you? Did she uh, agree? No, no, it's not. It's not criticizing the play. It's just me. It, it sounds like it's criticizing because it's just me speaking what I'm thinking, and I think that's the way people should always. I'll, be. I'll reword it. I'll rephrase. How did well, how did she receive your analysis? Yeah, analysis is better. <laughs> it's better to put it that way. She she totally agreed. She didn't disagree at all when she went and says you're. She agreed with the fact that if there was one or two bad players at the table, it would be a better opportunity like to min raise off a 10, 11 bigs because that way you could get like a bad player obviously making a mistake. But on this table, I'm pretty sure there was like no bad players. So like it wasn't, it wasn't a good play, first of all, because you've got to balance it in the long run. So like maybe, maybe the fact that she's done that, maybe next time she's got like ace-nine offsuit, in like an awkward spot she maybe might be able to now get a steal through if you know what I mean yeah like maybe that'll maybe work out in an advantage that way nah that'll, not- that'll be the time that somebody's like you know what she probably has aces here but I want to see a flop with King Jack <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah I'll peel on the big blind with fives who knows uh, Ludo, one more question regarding the TV shows. Uh, in addition to seeing you at the feature table from time to time, we also see you on the rail. And I'm thinking particularly of the grand final, final table from 2014, a tournament which took about 86 hours to conclude. And you were there railing Jack Salter into the early hours of the following morning. And that support went from being kind of quite enthusiastic, some would say Larry, to being we're now sleeping on the floor because it's 4am and we've all had too much to drink and this damn tournament is still going on! <laughs> this was actually funny because I think I turned up and I railed for a few hours then I ended up going to get changed and having some drinks and coming back like totally changed and, and it was the same day and like it just felt as if it went on for so long and I was so tired and quite drunk I ended up just passing out on the rail <laughs> and just, sleep, just sleeping on the floor that was quite good fun and then I woke up and like it was when still I woke going up, Jack lost and I went fuck Jack's lost disaster disaster maybe he lost because you weren't conscious for it I, just, I did have a couple of questions to take it back to, to the London shows from a long time ago uh, why did you insist on being German back then I had the German passport and like I've still got a German passport. Now, you know, so- Germany is like the one of the worst countries for being taxed on poker winnings, right? Like you want to be UK all the way, buddy. Yeah, you're spot on. But like, I don't, I don't use Germany anymore, apart from the fact that I've got a passport that's German. So I just use UK all the time. But the problem is, I'm over here, and 
I can get a British passport, but it's going to be a lot of hassle because, like, I don't know exactly what the reason is, but I can get one, but it's going to cost a lot of money and it's going to be a lot of hassle because there was some sort of law in Scotland after such date you must come underneath your mum's nationality. Isn't it so, that law where, like, the king's allowed to bang your wife? That's on the the Scottish... <laughs> Scottish laws. That's still a sore spot for you. What are, I have one other question, Ludo. Actually, um, this uh, this guy Ross Gaff, a dealer, said that I c- need to stop calling you Angus McWiener Schnitzel and start calling you the Wages. And the first time I tried to call you the Wages on TV, everyone's like, "What does that mean? Does it mean something dirty? Is there a se- is there like is there like a is that like a curse word? Do we not know what that means?" And I was like, "I actually don't know." I told you what it meant. I think I told you. I want thing. you to tell everyone else what it means, Ludo. Did you not ask me in? Did you not ask me in Atlantic City? I, brought, I told you. Uh, by the way, Ludo met my parents in Atlantic City. That was a weird. <laughs> ah, worlds colliding. That's universes <laughs> crossing. I think my mom invited uh, him to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wages means it was all the Scottish boys were grinding in the Alia, which is a casino back home in Glasgow, and. If bad players were sitting down at the table, they would just call them the wages. They oh, tell- so it's not a compliment. No, no it, it can be a compliment and it can be a compliment. <laughs> Great. And like, that's the thing with Scottish like slang. Like, for instance, in America, if you call someone a <laughs> obviously it doesn't go down too well. In Scotland, in Scotland, for instance, if I say, let's say I'm hanging about with Feraldo, for instance, and my friend doesn't know who he is. I can turn around to my other friend and say, he's a good <laughs> and that person. That's the kind of way that the wages goes down. Like, Except we don't have to bleep the wages and we will have two bleeps previously in the yeah. show for this. Ludo, <laughs> I, I, it's funny that you mentioned Feraldo there, Ludo, because 24 hours ago, Joe and I were actually doing the commentary for the uh, EPT 12 Malta final table. Another final table where we see you on the rail with a beer in your hand and this one is hilarious because you seem to have absolutely no idea what is going on at the final table because every single hand Feraldo's turning to him going yeah like I check back flop uh Barrett bet turn and then and then shove river and, oh all right okay then back to your conversation I think I think because the setup was very awkward it wasn't like any other set set up. I think it was dead awkward. Like the the chairs were so far away from the table, and there was screens that were quite far away, so it was always hard to pick up the action. And there was no like bet sizing, or it was quite hard just to follow the action. The so bar almost, was a lot closer than the the monitors but, were. I ended up doing an interview as well that, and I was just like, I think I just woke up and I <laughs> and I was very hungover. I was very hungover. I had the fear. Like, you gave a very uh, good soundbite about how Neil was due. No, well, it, I did. I did um, have some banter saying like when he does do one of the five bet shoves and he's got <laughs> nonsense, like well, not absolute nonsense, but like nine ten suited. It's due to eventually come in when he comes tenth and eleventh in these previous EPTs when he's been like um, four and five bet jamming like ace nine. Nine ten, yeah. Don't don't forget nine the old ten. nine ten. Yeah, the nine ten's going to eventually get there, and it did get there. Once it got there, it was and, well. I thought it was all over because now he's got that massive bit of luck where he's run a a hand into a monster and he's got lucky. Luder, did you see this tweet from Neil last night? By the way, that said McCormick from PCA just offered me heads up for ten thousand pounds at a Glasgow casino. Yes, that's in the Aaliyah Casino. 
Like, that's the things that make me, like, say to myself, I wish I was back home. Like, I'm stuck in LA playing cash, and I'm like, I wish I was back home just having a drink with the boys and having a good laugh. Because, like, that guy plays there. All the good shit happens when you're gone, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, the banter would have been amazing. This guy wants to play Ferraldo heads up for 10k pounds. It would have been priceless just watching this. I think it'd be priceless, too. I think we should go televise it. Ludo, before we let you go, I was hoping you'd play a little game with us. You want to play a game? Okay. By the way, this music, it's called Cock of the North. So I thought <laughs> I thought this would be good to play over the... Uh, the uh, Ludo, we're going to play a game called Scott, Scott, or Scott. And for every question you get right, I'm going to donate $5 to whatever the Poker Stars charity du jour is. I think it's an autism thing at the moment. So all you have to do is tell me whether the, the question I'm asking you, is it a person with Scott as the first name, Scott as their last name, or a Scottish person? Scott, Scott, or Scott, here we go. Hawaii Five-O actor who frequently appears nude because he feels like there's an imbalance between male and female nudity on screen. Scott, Scott, or Scott? Scott is a first name. That is correct. Scott is a first name. That is Scott Kahn was the answer there. I was thinking about Jack Lord. You, you meant the new Hawaii Five-0, right? I did not specify. Question two. The inventor of the radar. Scott, Scott, or Scott? I'm going to go for his Scottish. That is correct. Wow, 2-0. That was Robert Watson Watt, the Scott. What? What? Question number three. The pioneer of classical economics. Scott, Scott, or Scott? Okay, we've had one of each, so I'm going to go for the second name, Scott. No, unfortunately, that was another Scottish person, Adam Smith. You see, you thought Joe was obvious and simple. You were yeah, wrong. Yeah, we're going to just go for one of each. To be honest, like, I didn't have a clue with any of them. We got a, we got a total of nine, so we're one-third of the way through. Question four, the inventor of the safety razor. Scott, Scott, or Scott? Yeah, the safety razor? Ugh... Oh, second name Scott. Second name Scott is correct. George A. Scott. Question five. Famous African-American slave from American history who unsuccessfully sued his owner for his freedom. Second name Scott. Are you sure it's not a Scottish person? Are you positive? <laughs> second name Scott is correct. Red Scott was his name. Question number six. Austin Powers character played by Seth Green. First name Scott. First name Scott is correct. That's Scott Evil. Wow, 5 1. This, this might be the best score we've ever had from anyone playing any of your games, and it happens to be the one where you put a real money value on put it. Put real money for charity. Here we go. Question 7 Develop the Kelvin scale of absolute temperature. All these questions seem to be Scottish, so I'm going to go for Scottish. Scottish is correct. That's William Thomason, aka Lord Kelvin. Question number 8. NASA astronaut who recently returned to Earth. Second name, Scott. No, unfortunately, that was Scott Kelly who just came back down from the heavens. Last question, Ludo. The movie and TV character once played by James Doohan, now played by Simon Pegg. First name, Scott. 
That is actually the only way you could have gotten that question wrong. His name is Montgomery Scott, his last name Scott, and he's Scottish. Oh, no. You were kind of free-rolling there. You picked the one wrong answer. That's okay. Yeah, no. You, you saved not... me five bucks, Ludo. I appreciate <laughs> that. How much money are we donating to charity? Uh, the final score was 6-3, so $30 will so, be donated to charity. And when I say we, I mean me. This is coming out of my own pocket. So, Absolutely. So good job, Ludo. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We appreciate it. No problem at all. Angus, Angus McWienerschnitzel, everybody. The wages. The wages. <laughs> Adventures in Online Poker! So Joe, you were in the state of New Jersey long enough to actually play on PokerStars? I was in the state of New Jersey long enough to actually play on PokerStars, but I did not play on PokerStars. I... Sorry, I know I said I did, I just didn't. I didn't get around to it. Why, I, why would you slow roll us like that? Because I just was like, you know what? It's so weird, because like... I couldn't decide whether I wanted to stream or not. That was the real issue. Because, like, you had Daniel streaming. I think Jason and Jason were streaming. And I was like, should I stream? I was like, you know what? No. No, I did deposit $200 online, though. So, you know, play on Poker Stars, <laughs> which was really dumb, actually. I'm going to have to blow that money because I'm only going to be there two days next week. But surely you're going to be in New Jersey from time to time. It's worth keeping the balance on there, right? You know, I, went to, I hadn't been in New Jersey in, like, 15 years before I moved there, so I'm not really sure how long it'll take me to get back. What I thought we could do here instead is talk about the European Poker Awards. You know, I did the same thing with uh, playing in New Jersey that I did last night. I was going to go home and watch the show last night after my gig. Yeah. And I was feeling really good, so when I got back to my hotel, I saw there were two girls at the bar. And I decided to go have one last drink and talk to these two girls. And it was going they were Australian, but one Kiwi, one Aussie. And um, they basically kept me entertained long enough to miss the show, spend a bunch of money. And it turns out that there were two guys there that they were just trying to make jealous by talking to me. So that guy came over and they started making out, and I was like, all right. I guess I'm going to go to bed now. And I missed the show. But fortunately, due to catch up on channel4.com slash poker, Joe was able to watch the show and be ready for today's show. Yeah, or, you know, basically close enough or whatever. All right, European Poker Awards. So me and James were, uh, we were asked to help nominate. Now, one of the issues I have, James, is that... Poker Awards are dumb? Yeah, of course they're dumb, but they're not for us. It's not for us. Alex Dreyfus, what he's trying to do these awards is to, he wants to make poker a legitimate thing. And so having an award show, it helps to legitimize it. I get that. I, th I agree that it's dumb. It's dumb, it's, but it's not for us. It's for the world to see that there are awards, I believe, is the theory behind it. I have an issue with when I'm asked to nominate things because I don't. I don't take the nomination very seriously, right? Like, it, there's like a category. Like, let's say the category is, for example, media person of the year. Now, when I see media person of the year, I think of a few people. But honestly, I'm not across all of the media. You know what I mean? I can only nominate the things that I've seen. So in this particular case, Frank Optowards nominated, Lee Davies nominated, Neil Stoddart's nominated, and Remco Rinkama is nominated. Now, I'm familiar, fairly familiar... With I'm very familiar with Neil's work, right? Because I see it all the time. 
Remco's less, Frank's even less than that, and Lee Davies not at all, except for the one time he interviewed me and I went back and read it. I didn't read a single thing that guy wrote all year. So I don't know how I'm expected to vote for other anyone other than my quote-unquote friends, who like Remco's kind of a friend, so I see more of his stuff than other people's stuff. So I don't know. It's got to be everyone's in the same boat as me, right? Yeah. So the nomination process, and I'm sure there's great stuff out there that I just haven't seen. So I'm like, uh, Neil Stoddart, James Hardigan, I voted for you. I think we got two choices, right? Uh, yes, in each category, you were allowed to nominate two people. Right, so I voted for you and I voted for Neil. So, And the thing is, I assume that's what everyone else is doing too. And it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm not, like with great power comes great responsibility, even though this isn't really great power. Um, I'm kind of shirking the responsibility. The thing I don't understand is why the categories are not the same across both ceremonies. We have you the mean Amer- between the American Poker Awards yeah. and the European Poker Awards? Because, yeah. Because, for example, the media person, they put kind of TV and media in the same group, which is For kind this of, one they did, yeah. Yeah, there is no TV category, um, which I don't think is right, because I think the work that these guys do, and don't, don't get me wrong, they're all very worthy of these nominations, is very different to the work that we do on the TV and live streaming side. There's a couple of other issues. I, I mean, have. I, have, I have an issue, too, with the fact that, um, so, in for the American Poker Awards, European people could be nominated as long as they're working on something American, but it seems like for the European Poker Awards, like Matt Broughton, he was on the short list, by the way, I should mention, or the long list, I guess is what you call it, yeah. for being nominated also, but, like, I wasn't on that list. And so, because you were nominated in the American Awards TV category, right? So I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's also some inconsistencies as to like what qualifies you as being eligible for an American or European award. Go on, though, James. Um, basically, this is good. It's very difficult to talk about this without sounding bitter because I'm not. Because number one, I I don't really care, and number two, it's not about me. I am very disappointed that you once again EPT Live, which. And this is for the sake of the production team. This is not about the commentators, for example. Um, ah, that's okay. No, I want recognition for myself. Everyone else too, but I want it for myself. Okay, well, well good for you. Uh, <laughs> point being that, once again, EPT Live has, has not been recognized because they put it in the same category as people's blogs, as podcasts. Yeah, what category? As poker media content it, of the year? Uh, yeah, the, the category breakdown. And I said this about the American Awards as well, but the bizarre thing is the American Awards are probably better in terms of their categories, than the European awards. But the other thing which irritates me is, like, there's a category called Innovation or Initiative of the Year. Fine. The World Series of Poker Europe has been nominated for doing remote Twitch broadcasts. Oh, well. Now, this is basically the fact that the commentators... We're are in, not at the World Series of Poker. Correct. They're commentating for remote. Something that we've been doing on EPT Live with 14 to 16 different languages from their respective home countries for two or three seasons. Yes, but that was before there was awards. No, these awards have been running for for years. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I agree with you. You know... What are you going to do? So I said it's very difficult because obviously I can't be objective about it and it does sound like a little bitter, but... I do think that there are flaws here in both the categories and in the nominations. Right, and so in the nominations, right, you are allowed to write in things, but people don't do that, right? They just see what's on the list, and it wasn't even on the list, so... I, to be honest with you, I didn't even realize you could write stuff in. I thought I just had to click buttons. Yeah, no, you're allowed to... Those are just suggestions. Uh Those are just suggestions, but people are influenced. Exactly. Exactly the same way you. And the thing is, I knew I could write stuff in, but I was like, I don't know, I got a million things to do today, man. I'm just going to click some stuff. And so... 
you know, whatever. It, they're stu- they're words are stupid. Let's let's, let's let's accentuate the positive, okay. by the way, rather than focusing on the negative. Breakout player of the year. I, I mean, there are four nominees, but let's be honest, Dmitry Banovich is going to win it, right? He has to. Yeah, I think I voted for um, to nominate uh, Dmitry. I don't know if I really considered Fedor a breakout player of the year. I, I know that he is uh, because he's on this list. I think I voted for Dmitry and Charlie Carroll in this category. I think those those were my two nominations as well, but I do think Dimitri's going to win it hands down. Uh, someone I want to salute in the industry person of the year category is Luca Vivaldi, who is a, an occasional guest on EPT Live. You see him on the live streams. You see him on the TV shows. He's one of the senior floor people. Uh, super nice guy. So good at his job and very deserving of recognition. And obviously also nominated in that category are Thomas Lamash, one of our TDs, and Edgar Stuckley, our director of live events. But I really want to see Luca take this down. He has my support every step of the way. Uh, we should point out that the Poker Stars Play Along app, <laughs> Play Along a Poker, has been nominated in the innovation slash initiative category. So, you know, the TV team did get something. Um, and when it comes to moment of the year, uh, again, I I do think that that epic hand between Adrian Mateos and Johnny Lodden at the EPT Grand Final, and I find it hilarious that they actually quote Daniel Negreanu's commentary, which they didn't nominate uh, in, in trying to sell why this moment was so big. Uh, yeah, you know there's there's some great moments in there altogether. Now, unfortunately, Dmitry Arbanovich wins crazy pineapple tourney doesn't sound that good. Until you realize that's him winning four events at Malta, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, but you see, it's how it's phrased. To me, Abanovich wins four events at EPT Malta. That's the moment. Right. Not winning crazy pineapple. I agree. Uh, John Gale returns from three years off because of a brain tumor and wins a bracelet. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, and Pierre Noville qualifies for the... Or makes the November 9. Um, eh, it's neat. I don't think it sort of matches up to the other ones but uh, there's some great great stuff in there so just to be clear these awards are going to be handed out um at the ept grand final in monaco at the beginning of may uh it's a bit of a slim down ceremony from previous years no sit down dinner it's going to be a standing cocktail ceremony at the blue gin bar and guess who's hosting it that's right Alex is taking baby stapes along because the always entertaining Joe Stapleton will be handing out the awards, which I think we're going to miss because the awards are being handed out at 8pm and Epsi Live will be on air until at least 9.30, if not 10pm. I mean, I just do it so I can get out of having to do the last couple of levels of EPT Live. I just need an early night. So yeah, so once again, I've what do you call it, James? I've created a rod to beat myself with. It's Correct. gonna be me and a bunch of fucking French people not listening. I'm gonna make a couple of jokes. They're gonna bomb, and I'm gonna hand out some awards to some people who definitely don't deserve them. And then I'm gonna drink my weight in alcohol. So <laughs> story checks out. Uh, let's go into the lobby, shall we? And talk about the fact that if you want to be in Monaco at the EPT 12 Grand Final. Satellites are still running on PokerStars, including those spin and goes. Now these are running for another few days. I think it's the 10th of April this promotion concludes. And I've got an update on the number. 114 people. That is awesome! Wow! They are projecting that a total of 125 players will be coming to Monaco courtesy of a 10 
or 11 euro spin and go over 100 players that's so sick and just to be clear these are extra qualifiers this isn't draining liquidity from the existing satellites these are people who probably wouldn't try and qualify for the grand final otherwise that's 125 extra players 125 extra seats filled i kind of want to play a couple i know that you know obviously i can't play in the events or whatever but it just seems so fun to play in one of those can you imagine well joe you and i are going to get to play some poker this weekend because on saturday the 9th of april we will be Actually, it's... Is it Saturday the 8th or Saturday the 9th? Saturday the 9th. Joe and I are going to be at the Hippodrome in Leicester Square. The UK IPT Festival running right now. And on the weekend, it's the £330 London Cup. And Joe and I are going to be playing Flight A, Flight 1, which I think is at noon. Yeah, I screwed this up. I was doing some shilling on my Twitter earlier this week. And I said we were playing the 6pm flight. However, I was correct in saying that we'll be in the lobby between like five and six not the lobby the bar outside the well, dude it depends if, if it doesn't go well i'll be there at like 1 p.m right but i think we said that we would hang out right until in between flights for that way people who are coming for the second one and who are finishing the first one want to have a drink with us so uh if you want to come hang out buy me a beer even though i joke about that because i don't think i've ever i do let people buy me a beer but i tend to do the buying so come on down to the bar at the Hippodrome, second floor bar, right outside where everyone will be playing poker. James and I will be there. I will entertain you while James finds excuses to leave the room and leave me. It's, but the weirder you are, the more likely that James is going to stick me with you for a few minutes and yep. have to take a phone call. But we want to hang out with you guys, so come hang out. That is correct, because if there's one thing we like, it's a super fan. And talking of super fans... One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. And this week, the contest is taking us to Canada and a place I've discovered is actually real, Saskatoon. <laughs> Hello to Sean Trembath. Hello. Sean, what's up, buddy? Thanks for being on the show. Are you aware of the major on-air fight James had? James and I had over your tweet. I uh, I mean I remember you guys discussing it. Uh, mostly I remember just being mocked for having so few followers with uh with the coveted check mark. You've what? no idea how jealous my co-host is, Sean, that you have a blue check mark and he doesn't. You did promise, by the way, in your superfan application that you would reveal how Joe could get that check mark. That's true. Uh, and, you know, Joe, you're probably not going to be happy with this, uh, but really all you got to do is ask. I mean, you guys are both international broadcasters. There's there's literally a guy named Joe Stapelton out there. Uh, if anyone's got a case, it's you. Well, I appreciate that, but I'm really afraid of asking and being told no. I really hate being told no. Sean, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a reporter. You're a reporter. What do you cover? What's your beat? Uh, I guess I'm what you'd call general assignment. Uh, we just had an election here, so that's kind of what we've been focusing on lately. But really, just whatever's going on on the mean streets of Saskatoon. So whatever's the hot story, that's what you're covering. That's right. But specifically, the hot story in Saskatoon. What's the biggest scandal to hit Saskatoon recently? Recently? Well... Cat stuck uh, in a tree. I mean, as the... Tongue frozen <laughs> to a telephone pole. <laughs> Uh, it's funny you say that, I guess. Uh, a couple years ago, we, we got sort of national buzz, uh, literally because of a really giant icicle that someone had on the side of their apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> 
Day 27, icicle watch. It's still growing. No signs of falling. Yeah, I mean, we, we literally had uh, television stations reporting live as city crews chopped the icicle down. What is the most amount of words you can squeeze into a story about an icicle? Well, you know, I wasn't uh, lucky enough to be uh, <laughs> on, on the Icicle shit. Watch 2014, uh, but, you know, we it, it got some space, probably three or 400. Pretty standard story. <laughs> and what's, all right, one last question about what you do for a living, Sean. What is your proudest article, and how can we find it? My proudest article? You know, it's tough to come up with one offhand. Uh, I work at a newspaper called The Star Phoenix. Uh, that's one word, Star Phoenix. Uh I wrote one last year, uh, a, a pretty decent feature about uh, we've got a new art gallery coming here, and they they got this twenty million dollars sort of world unique Picasso collection. I uh, I looked into that and and whether it was actually as big a deal as the as the artsy folks were saying it was. Uh, recently, I did a profile of a local guy named Tom Grummet, who's a comic artist who was one of the guys on the Death of Superman run, which is kind of a big deal. Oh, that was cool. fun. Just just talking to a super nerd and uh yeah getting into that uh there's plenty out there just search my name and uh get you can find them get routing on real quick if you can yeah because obviously we have our own resident super nerd here on ept not live and that that's saying something when you look at the lineup of presenters on this podcast uh, obviously i did activate the Broughton because your specialist subject sean is super nintendo snes i didn't even know what snes was so uh <laughs> i did have to press the emergency Broughton button did you not know it like you didn't know it was even a system Super Nintendo? I know I knew I've heard of Super Nintendo. I just never seen it abbreviated as SNES. Oh, okay. I thought I thought the guy had misspelled sneeze, which I thought might be some kind of like nineties indie. Which band. by the way, we don't say SNES. You don't say SNES in Canada either, right? You say SNES? Uh, SNES or SNES is actually Ooh, how Ooh, that's uh, a new one for me, say. SNES. Anyway, uh, Matt Broughton, guest question master. Uh, how excited were you to hear that little Superman story? I was very excited, although not as excited by the, the word Saskatoon, <laughs> which sounds like it's straight out of the brain of George Lucas. And so well, we you find know, ourselves. Well, I, I used to Saskatoon. live in Regina, which, uh, which I'm sure <laughs> yeah, is, is much more entertaining. Sounds like a dream to me living in Regina. Do you know, it sounds like a competition waiting time. If only we were actually on EPT Live, we could ask our viewers to tell us what's the next town that Sean's going to move to. Going from Regina <laughs> to Saskatoon, is it's, it feels like I don't really know what sort of town could fit the bill. You've set the bar so high. Well, I think it would have to be Dildo, Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> we have a winner. You get the blue uh, check mark from us, buddy. So, hey, Matt, yes, good job. Matt, as our resident super nerd and as our resident video games expert, former industry professional, you have been tasked with compiling and running this quiz. So I will hand things over to you, and as usual, I will take a back seat and play the role of scoremaster. Excellent. Thank you very much, James. Over to me in the studio. The first question I have to ask, Sean, is having listened to the last couple of podcasts, do you genuinely know <laughs> anything about your specialist subject? I do. You know, it's obviously been years since I since I fired up a Super Nintendo, but uh, I spent many an hour chipping away at Chrono Trigger in the basement. You know, I just played Super Nintendo over the weekend. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I, Jesse, my roommate, fished it out. We played Turtles in Time to completion. Beautiful. I saw that. Beautiful. I'm assuming, Matt, you're referring to last time's debacle with <laughs> Superfan Sam and his inability to know a single thing about the sitcom <laughs> Friends. 
I mean, the thing is, it's really hard for me because obviously, especially being a nerd, is I can make these almost impossible for anybody other than me. Um, but then you think, well, I don't want to patronize someone who genuinely knows about the subject. But when you get to the point where you go, name two of the six main characters in Friends, <laughs> and the guy's going, oh, God, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good with names of characters in the a, in a program. Well, name the actor. Oh, I'm dreadful at actors' names. Tell me how to spell your name. Oh, I'm not really good at my own name. It as was, painful as it was, uh, at least the bar was set low. I got some enjoyment out of that. Good. It was it was entertainment over actual education, I think, in that instance. But <laughs> this, I think, is going to be a very different event. I have high hopes for you, Sean. So I think uh, it's time to get this puppy started. Let's do it. Superfan versus Stakes. Wow, that was really loud music. How entertaining. Okay, I have got 10 questions. I'm going to let you pick the first one, Sean, as you're our guest. And then we are just going to leave it to James to keep score and see how well you do. So pick a number for me between 1 and 10. Let's take it from the top. 1. Wow, I didn't go for 7. I thought it was always coming 7. <laughs> okay, question number 1. So SNES Smash It game Star Fox had its name changed for the European release, what was its new European name? Ah, uh, I was worried that, that there was going to be some uh, some UK-centric ones here. Uh, I, I don't know, Star Fox Adventure. Incorrect. Joe, do you know what the European release of Star Fox was called? Star Badger. It was not. I can tell you that it was Star Wing. Starwing. Starwing. Now for a Do bonus a barrel point, roll! I'm going to go back to Sean for the bonus point. Now that you know it was called Starwing, not Star Fox, remembering this was for your European release, any idea why they might have changed it from Star Fox to Starwing? Uh, because there was a popular stripper named Star Fox. <laughs> it's a good guess, but it's not the right one. Uh, do you know what? I'll put you out the misery. It's because wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? I want to guess. Oh, go on, Joe. It's because there was a big fox call that year, and they didn't want to encourage to people to go out and shoot foxes. <laughs> That's also a tremendously good guess, but it's incorrect. It's because Nintendo found there was a German company called Starvox, and that in the thick German accent, the racists, Nintendo, were worried that it sounded too much like Starvox, Starfox. So to avoid a court case, they, uh, they delayed the launch of the game and changed its name. They didn't want to sound German even for one second. <laughs> exactly. That's the way the Japanese roll. Okay, Joe, time for your first question. Give me a number between two and ten. Uh, let's go with number two. Wow, keeping it easy for me. Okay, there are four main buttons on the SNES controller. What letters are they labeled with? X, Y, A, and B. Correct. And for a bonus, Joe, can you tell me what colors they are? They're blue and gray. I will accept that the American model has two light and two blue. For an additional bonus point, Blimey. I've decided, can you tell me what the European machine's colors were? No, I cannot. <laughs> Sean, do you want to take a stab at what the European machine's four colors were? I think uh, red, yellow, green, blue. Correct. Wow, so we now have a 2-1 game at the end of the first round. Two points to Joe, one point to superfan Sean, whose Skype connection is getting worse every second. Excellent. <laughs> hey, try to put your hand on that icicle. Use it as an antenna, maybe. <laughs> Don't knock it down. Okay, uh, Sean, before we lose you then, uh, you're uh, a number between three and ten. Uh, three, please. 
Wow. Okay, so despite pre-orders of 1.5 million units, Nintendo only shipped 300,000 consoles for the Japanese launch in 1990. Tokyo ground to a halt as punters fought to get one. After the dust settled, the Japanese government decided something needed to be done to prevent this from ever happening again. What did they do? Uh, nationalize Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Joe? Uh, they made it so that you the machines had to be actually built before they could be pre-ordered. No. They asked that Nintendo, and indeed any game company wishing to sell a console in Japan, agree to only do it on a weekend, because the, the, the snares went on a Wednesday and brought the, the, uh, the city to a halt. Oh, hall. I and see. <laughs> Nintendo honored this request, and indeed every major release the company has ever done since has taken place on a Sunday. See, we're learning as well as being entertained. Right. Okay, I hate learning. I know you do. Okay, <laughs> Joe, give me a number between four and ten. Is it boring if I just go four? No, we've never done it before. Okay, Let's try four. this out. Four, please. Uh, okay, which planned Nintendo add-on ultimately went on to challenge the company in the console business? Oh, jeez. Nintendo add-on wanted to challenge the company in the console business. Um, Super Game Boy? Wrong. Sean, can ooh, you ooh. steal this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it was called the same thing for Nintendo, but it was the PlayStation. It was the PlayStation. And in fact, we've had this question before when Mickey Peterson came on as our PlayStation expert, who turned out to not be an expert. <laughs> Shit. I thought Joe might stand a chance. Yeah, it's PlayStation started out as a CD peripheral for SNES, SNES CD. Really? But then after a dispute with Sony, it actually evolved into the PlayStation as a standalone console. Not only is James saying really, but he doesn't remember this anecdote either from the, the I, other time. I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of switch off during all this kind of <laughs> video game nerd talk. Um, it's two points all, by the way, tied game. <laughs> Okay, nice. Uh, this one must be for Sean. Five to ten. What number? Uh, let's keep going. Five. Good man. Okay. Um, all right, we're back. It's another SNES uh, Star Fox game uh, question. So, Star Fox was originally just a tech demo for which famous SNES component? That would be Mode 7. I'm afraid that is incorrect. Oh! Is it mode 8? No. The SNES component was the Super FX chip. Oh. That, that was the, actually, that, that's what Star Fox was written, just as a tech demo to show what that could do. I know what you're talking about with the, the whole mode 7 thing, but no, that's the actual component that was, that was pushed out for the demo. Okay. Harsh, but true. Um, six. Where are we? six! It is where always are? coming six! No, it isn't. <laughs> okay, Joe. Sorry, this is another one of my really long-winded questions. The SNES was designed by Lance Barr. See, again, you're learning. And it featured cartridges that loaded on the raised and slightly curved top of the machine rather than the front of the console, as the NES had done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This was to discourage people from doing what? Blowing in the machine. No. <laughs> Sean. Uh, I have no idea. What uh, do you want to take a guess? Why did they make people load the cartridges in the top and not in the front? Any guess at all? Uh, so that they, they it was easier to know which way to put the cartridge in. 
Incorrect. Although that was a good guess, it was actually to stop people from resting their drinks on top. <laughs> because with the NES, it had loaded at the front because they wanted it to feel like it was a video machine that people were familiar with. But the NES, like Nintendo's service center, was constantly inundated with broken consoles <laughs> filled with great Fanta. So they decided to make it impossible for people to balance their drinks on the top with a Super Nintendo. Great Fanta sales plummeted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I've, I've lost track of whose question it is. This must be... Sean. I think it's seven to me. Sean, Joe, Sean, Joe, Sean, Joe, Sean. You're absolutely right. Number seven. So you're going to go for number seven, Sean. Hell yeah. Wow, this is great. <laughs> okay. Uh, so before the days of Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, for a monthly access fee, the SNES was able to play games like Doom, Super Mario Kart, and NBA Jam against other players over a telephone modem. There was a device used... To do that, can you name the device? No, sir, I cannot. Okay, I like the solid answer. Can you hear how excited Matt is? Can you hear the, 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 the eagerness, the enthusiasm in his voice as he asks these incredibly detailed, ludicrously nerdy questions? Hey, hey, what's the score, James? Has anyone got any right? Yes, they have. Yeah? Yeah, you want to talk about friends? You want to talk about ice hockey? Yeah, don't come to me with problems with competitions. <laughs> Joe, what about you? Do you want to guess what the name of this telephone modem device was? The Nintendodem. <laughs> you know what? I can say that they missed a trick by not calling that. It was actually called the X Band. Uh, Man, which... they had the PlayStation, the Xbox. They really fucked up, didn't they? <laughs> uh, Joe, your penultimate question. Are you going for number eight? Yes, I am. I love you. Okay, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System is only truly known as that in the United States and select other countries. What was the SNES called in Japan? Uh, Nintendo 2. Incorrect. <laughs> Sean, do you know what it was called in Japan? Uh, yeah, Super Famicom. Correct. Oh, oh. yeah, I should have known that. Sean and takes a 3-2 lead. Now, now, James, I've got a second. There's a bonus question on this. Who Does it go to the original question? Well, that's what you've been doing so far. You've been giving them to the original person. So give Joe oh. the bonus, and if he doesn't get it, then it goes to Sean. Okay, Joe, right. To, to, to get yourself back up here... Is can you tell me what it was known as in South Korea? I'm totally bad at getting myself back up once I'm down. <laughs> it's just at this age, I can't do it anymore. Just give it like 30, 40 minutes and then we'll yeah, try again. Yeah, just like, just let me sleep on it. Uh, what was it called in South Korea? In South Korea, it was called Super Terrific Happy Fun Box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm afraid that's slightly wrong. Sean, any idea? Uh, I, I don't know. Nintendo. I can tell you that it was actually the Super Convoy. Super Convoy? Yeah. Which I think is pretty shit, but there you are. That's my Halloween costume this year. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I guess that brings us to Sean's last question. So Remind Sh us Sean, can it, Sean can put it away right here, I think, because I get one more question, but he's up one on me. Correct. Okay. Uh, there's always stray bonuses to worry about. That is true. <laughs> that is true. They come and go like no one's business. Okay, your last question then, Sean. Nintendo uh, Nintendo mistakenly mixed too many fire retardant chemicals loaded with metal bromine into the plastic of early Super Nintendo machines. What did this mean happen to the consoles after a few years? Not being funny, with all their mistakes over the years, how the fuck are these people still in business? 
<laughs> Mario ba- barely is the simple yeah. answer to that. And Link, yeah. Um, what happened to them? They burst into flames. They were loaded with fire retardant chemicals. Of course they didn't burst oh. into flames. <laughs> Joe, what happened to them after a couple of years? They would melt. No, they would actually turn from classic grey to yellow like a smoker's teeth. Oh. Yeah. You know what I think? I think that the SNES I was playing over the weekend might be a little yellow, actually, if I go back well, to that photo. Well, they're actually collector's items because it was like just in one particular shipment that they, they kind of loaded these things with the, okay, with the fire retardants. I was probably mm. making that up then. No, it could just <laughs> be that someone was smoking around it and it just got stained. Yeah, yeah look at the photo. Yeah. Look at the photo on my Twitter. Look at that. Yeah, it's probably just covered in yeah smoke and no, that's, grape. No, that's fancy. yellow. No, no, no. It's straight up oh, yellow really? in the photo. Yeah. Oh, well, there you are. You might have one of the ones that's full of fire retardant chemicals. Weird. Good for you. Anyway, <laughs> Joe, I believe, can tie the game by getting his last question right. Oh, wow. I'll finally get to use one of my classic tiebreakers that we never get to use. <laughs> so your final question then, Joe, which we have gone from one through ten, which is a first for us. So under the category of strangest game, while Mario was busy battling toads and lizards, Captain Novalin was battling the fight against what? Sewing supplies, thimbles, <laughs> needles. Incorrect. Sean, do you know who Captain Novelin was uh, battling the fight against? No, but just based on the name, I'm going to say Tooth Decay. <gasps> I'm afraid you're incorrect. It was diabetes. Oh, wow. <laughs> this that was so game, close, though. <laughs> you were. The educational game featured diabetes trivia questions, digital insulin shot bonus levels, <laughs> and a load of junk food enemies. So actually, you were both kind of there or thereabouts. So the final score is 3-2 to the superfan, and Sean, the Brazilian commentators are here to celebrate your win! Impressionante indeed, and Sean, you win. A step seat ticket worth 27 euros, and then everyone loves a chop pot t-shirt. It's everything I've dreamed. <laughs> good job, Sean. You were indeed a super fan. And good job on the quiz, Matt. Thank you very much indeed. Fun quiz, Matt. Appreciate it, dude. Sean, nice work, buddy. Thank you. Keep up the good work. All right, my babies, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, we will recap the last episode of EPT Season 11. There will be a grand final champion crowned on television. We will bring that to you on next week's show. James and I, maybe one of us will win the London Cup. Whatever happens in that tournament, we will do an event recap from the Hippodrome on the show and possibly maybe with all the asterisks and caveats and terms and conditions in brackets we might have an important guest with an important announcement really Mm. well i'm tuning in (laughs) that's for sure also get your grandparents submissions in i want to have a list to show my parents of i'll tell you what if my parents actually choose any of the submissions you guys use, I will give you a prize. And you guys know I'm pretty generous in my prizes. So we'll, we'll send you send you some money on Poker Stars, whatever it's worth to me, mom, pee pants. All right, guys, that's all the time we got for this week's show. 
Until next time, for James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>